as they receive the offering, let's just get right into it, okay? We are beginning not a new series, not a new series, um, but a whole new endeavor here at Flourishing Grace. So every year, kind of Sunday in the Park, uh, it's kind of a time for us to say, hey, let's lift our gaze and let's look to the year that's coming. Where is God calling us in this year? What, what are the things that we are going to be engaging in as a family this year? And so this morning, that's what I want to do. I want to kind of just talk big picture for us. Where are we going as a family this year at Flourishing Grace? We're launching a, a whole new initiative that I am praying will radically transform your life, will radically transform the life of your family, and will radically transform all of South Davis County and even impact the world uh, as we know it. Um, the reality is, the reality is, is that even though we are stuck here inside, not outside, we, we have just an unbelievably overwhelming abundance of good stuff. Do we not? Do we not have things to be, to be thankful for? The reality is there's never been a time in human history, there's never been a time in human history that we have as much as we have right now. So much access, so much freedom, so much goodness, right? If you think about it, if you, just, if you go back 50 years and you gathered people from South Davis County in a room, right? Would they not have far less than we have right now? I mean, financially, for crying out loud, there's so much wealth in this room. There's so much knowledge and information. The reality is, the reality is that you today hold more information in your mind than, than Plato and Aristotle and Socrates. That's the reality. In your pocket is like the source of anything that you want to know, just kind of instantly, you can, you can just Google it and you can find, we have so much information held in our brains. Now, most of it's pretty worthless if we're honest, all right? It's like nobody cares about the majority of it, but we have so much of it in our minds. There's so much access, which is maybe why we're dumber than Plato and Aristotle and Socrates, but we have more information. Like we have just so unbelievably much we have the ability to communicate with people instantly. My, my family, they live, my parents live in kind of the rural Illinois, rural Midwest. And in an instant, right, I, I can see their face. Within seconds, I can have a face-to-face -face conversation with them on my phone, which is amazing. Like, like not too long ago, you would have to like write pen and paper, write out everything that you wanted to say, put it in an envelope, put it in the mail. The mail would take it by car, by truck, all the way across the country and deliver it to them. And now it's instant. Within seconds, I can have a conversation with them. I can see on their face. I can see the joy. I can see pain. I can see what they're going through on their face. It's amazing. Just, like, just yesterday, last night, I'm having a, a conversation with five friends via text instantly. We are communicating. One lives in Providence, Rhode Island. One lives in LA. One lives in Chicago. One lives in central Illinois. Instantly, when I live here in Utah, and we're having an instant conversation like this, this morning, this morning, right? We're like, oh no, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna let everybody know that we're, like, we're not gonna gather in the park, we're gonna gather here? Instantly, you all knew. It's amazing what we can do. It's amazing what we have. Like, the reality is, yes, we can't be in the park because it's raining, but we have, we have air conditioning. Like, the reality is, not, not that long ago, the majority of people were farmers, hunters, gatherers. Like, that's, that's what we did. If it rained too much, you didn't eat. Now, if it rains too much, you're like, oh, just go inside, and it's fine. Like, we get to work in the air conditioning. Like, two weeks ago, we were painting the building here at Flourishing Grace, and 
Of course, like today, it's like the wettest day of the summer. Two weeks ago, it was the hottest day of the summer. Like, it was like the only day, I think, all summer long where it's been over 100 degrees, and we're like painting a building. Like, what are we doing? The misery. Like, the reality is, like, it wasn't that long ago when everybody worked outside, and everybody just, that's just what you did. It was just, just brutal all the time. Like, we, we have so unbelievably much right now in this moment, more wealth, more access, more power, more freedom than ever before. So let me ask you a question. Why are so many of us so weary? Anybody? Anybody in here just kind of tired often? Why? And I don't mean tired like sleepy tired, like, oh, man, I need a nap tired. Just like, I mean weary. It's kind of worn out. Like, well, why is it that in this, in, this, in this season of life of so much abundance, why is it that so many of us in this room kind of have this constant sense of discontent? Anybody? It's like just never enough. Like if I just had a little bit more, if I could just gain a little bit more, if I could just grasp a little bit more, why, why do we have this discontent? Why so many of us live in this moment, in this season of just absolute, some of you just racked by anxiety, just constantly stressed and worried and anxious. It's like, I don't, I don't know, just anxious. Why? We have so much. What could you possibly be anxious about? But the, the reality is, as your pastor, I know, I've, I've talked to you. I know what's going on in your lives. I, so many of you, just constant discontent or constant anxiety, constant weariness. Some of us in this room just kind of live with this continual low-grade depression. I don't mean like full-blown clinical depression. I just mean like sorrowful. Just, just constantly sorrowful. Why? Why is that? Or maybe, maybe your thing is just a feeling of inadequacy. Just always just feeling never quite good enough, never good enough as a mom, never good enough as a dad, never good enough as an employee, never good enough as a boss. Why do we live with this constant state of depression and anxiety, sorrow, weariness, inadequacy. Why? Here's what I want us to do. If we could just be real for a minute. Pull out your phones with me. Pull them out. We do this often here at Flourishing Grace. This is something that if you've been around, you, you know what's about to happen. Um, for those of you who are new, I promise Nothing bad's going to happen, all right? Uh, I'm not going to steal your information. I'm not going to take anything from you. This is totally anonymous. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to minty.com, M-E-N-T-I.com on your phone, M-E-N-T-I.com. And when you get there, I'm going to go there with you real quick. I'm going to do this together, M-E-N-T-I.com. It's going to ask you for a code. Here's the code, 20. 47, 35. 20, 47, 35. Put that in there. It's going to ask you three questions. It's going to prompt you three questions. And here's the thing. This is totally anonymous. 
This is a moment, as we kind of begin this new season, as we begin this moment, this, 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 new, this new endeavor, this is a chance for us to just kind of be honest and get a, get a good pulse of where we're at as a church. So just be honest with these questions real quick. Are you there? Is it working? No. Sons of thunder, what is happening? The code changed. New code, ready? 57, 37, 07. 57, 37, 07. Does that work? Okay. I don't know why I did that. Three questions. It should ask you three questions. Just to be completely honest. This is totally anonymous. I cannot see what you say. Um, I cannot know what's actually going on. Is it working for you? There we go. There we go. It's working. Sweet. You guys can keep doing that. Keep, keep going. Keep answering that question. I'm going to keep moving uh, for our time together. He, here's the reality. We are launching this new endeavor. We're calling it the Path of Flourishing. The Path of Flourishing. And what I'm realizing kind of as, as a pastor, as I engage with you and as I kind of counsel and meet with coffee and just hang out and just do life together, what I'm realizing is that I mean, flourishing is not the thing that would ultimately describe us, okay? Here at Flourishing Grace, like our, our vision, our mission, the thing that we're all about is leading people into flourishing relationships with Jesus. We want to be a family that leads people into flourishing relationships with Jesus, but what I'm finding is, is that the word flourishing wouldn't really describe our lives. It's not the word that we would use to actually describe our life. But yet, when I open the Gospel of John, there's this common theme again and again and again and again and again and again that Jesus is offering those who come to him. Jesus is offering those who follow him. Anybody know what it is? Anybody just know the Gospel of John? You're like, oh, I know what the theme of the Gospel of John is. Kind of just chapter after chapter after chapter, there's a word. Anybody know what it is? What is it? Somebody said it over here. Life. Life. Again and again and again and again. Look with me real quick. I'm going to throw people on the screen. John chapter 1 verse 4. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. John is going to describe the one who is coming. He's going to describe Jesus. He is, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and in him was life, and his life was the light of men. Right? John is saying right out of the gate, the one who came in him was life, and that life, metaphorically, was the light of men. It existed for you and me. It came for you and me to bring about light, right? to shine light in the darkness. Behold, those who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. There's goodness, there's flourishing, there's goodness here that comes from Jesus. He goes on just a couple chapters later, John chapter 4, verse 10. This is the woman at the well. 
Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Living water. You see, Jesus knows and understands that for humanity, there is a dryness of the soul. That there's something in us that just needs to be quenched. This, this longing, this, this, this constant kind of, I mean, I'm just weary. I'm worn out. My soul is dry. Jesus knows that. He's like, if you had, if you had known who you're talking to, you would have asked and I would have given you living water. I would have quenched the thirst of your soul. He goes on. A couple chapters later, John chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, For the bread of God, and he's talking about manna, right? So the conversation is around manna. Moses in the wilderness, God's providing manna, bread from heaven to the people. And Jesus says this, he says, no, 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 no. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. A couple verses later in verse 35, it says this, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus understands there's a hunger within the soul of humanity. There's something missing, this kind of constant state of discontent. I just need more. If I could just gain a little bit more, if I could just access a little more, if I had a little bit more time, if I had a little bit more freedom, if I had a little bit more money, then I would be satisfied. There's a hunger of the soul. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm the bread of life. I'm the thing that is going to fill the the belly of your soul. I know there's a hunger of the soul. John chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I know there's darkness over your soul. I know there's anxiety. I know there's worry. I know I understand that. I'm the light of life. I've come to illuminate your soul that you might have joy forevermore. That you might have delight. That you might be free of worry, free of anxiety. I've come for that. I'm the light of life. Of course, most famously, John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, real quick, who's the thief? It's not Satan. We're often taught that, but that's not the context. If you look at it in the context, the thief is the religious elite. The thief is the Pharisee, the Sadducee, the one who says, you know what you need to do? You want life? Just do more. Give more money to our organization. Be more like us. Do more things for our religious organization. If you just do more things that we tell you to do, then you'll have life. Right? If you just give more to our religious organization, you give more time to our organization, you give more money to our organization, then you'll have life. Jesus says, no, 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 no. They're stealing your time. They're stealing your money. And they're ultimately, they're leading you to death. They're going to kill you because they're leading you away from me. They're leading you away from life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan, yes, is using that to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I've come, I've come that you may have life 
and have it abundantly that you may flourish. That your days here on earth may flourish into eternity. Now the reality is that for the followers of Jesus in this room, and I know, listen to me, I know most of you are followers of Jesus, but not all of us, not all of us. But for the followers of Jesus in the room, a lot of you, you guys know these verses. Like some of them you could, you could have quoted from memory. You, you know them. But you're not actually experiencing them. Like you would agree, Jesus came to give life. But you're not actually experiencing that life. Why? Why do we know this? It's not, it's, not a, it's not a matter of knowledge. We, we know that Jesus came to give life, and yet we're not experiencing it. Why? Not too long ago, Gallup did a poll. They did a survey, and they found out that 76% of Americans, 76% of Americans would self-identify as Christians. 76% of Americans would say, I'm a Christian. I, I am, for sure. I'm a Christian. So kind of as a response to that poll, a number of uh, independent studies were, were launched saying, okay, but really, okay, like how, how many Americans are actually experiencing flourishing? How many Americans are actually following Jesus? How many Americans are actually wading into this and would say, man, I've given the fullness of my life to Christ and I am experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Man, how many is that? Eight percent. 8%. So 76% of Americans would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But only 8% say, yeah, I'm actually following Jesus. I'm actually a disciple of Jesus. I've ordered my life around his word, and I've ordered my life around him. You see, the reality is, the reason why we are not experiencing this, and I think I think the answer to the question, we give a million excuses. Why are we not experiencing flourishing? We're like, ah, social media is just destroying us. Man, my kids are crazy. My marriage is a wreck. My job, my boss is a tyrant. That's he's the problem or she's the problem, right? This is, listen, there's one root of all of this. And I believe, and listen, I'm just saying this as your pastor. If we can just be real for a minute. So many of us, would say, yes, I'm a Christian, but we're not actually following Jesus. The source of our discontent, the source of our anxiety, the source of our lack of flourishing is not the things of this world, but it's the absence of Christ in our life, right? What's the source? What, what's the source of life? Where, where does real life come from? Where, where, does, where does the real joy, the real delight, the real flourishing, what is the source of the flourishing that Jesus has on offer? Is, is going to church the source of, of human flourishing? No. No. Now we love the church, don't mishear me. We preached on the church for five months from like January to May. We love the church. But it's not the source of human flourishing. Is reading your Bible the source of human flourishing? I just heard a pastor on social media this week say, man, you want to be free of anxiety? You want to be free of depression? Read your Bible. No. 
We love the Bible here at Flourishing Grace. One of our goals is that every person would be in the Word every single day. Every man, woman, and child would be in the Word every single day. We believe it's crucial. We believe it's crucial. But it's not the source of human flourishing. Is being a good person the source of human flourishing? If I, could just, if I could just be a little bit better, if I could just be a little bit kinder, if I could just follow the, 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 the law a little bit better, we know that's not true. But being a small group, I think you all should be in a small group, but you're not going to find the source of human flourishing there. John 1 verse 4. In him was life. He's the life. I I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Jesus is the source. He he is the source of the flourishing that he has on offer. He is the source of life. And so we, we, we scatter about trying to find life in all of these different things. And we think we're doing the right things by, by doing all of these things. But ultimately, we're missing the source. We're missing the one that is the source of life. All human flourishing comes, if it comes at all, through the person of Jesus. You can't find it anywhere else. You can't. It's only found in him. He's the source of all human flourishing. And so for so many of us, we say, man, I'm a Christian. But the reality is we'd also say, I don't, I don't really know him. And, and I don't mean like intellectually, like knowing your Bible or knowing facts about him or being able to tell me things about his life. I mean, right now, know him, his presence, intimacy with him in your life all day, every day, tapped into the source, an intimate relationship with Jesus, experiencing the life that he has on offer all of the time. For so many of us, we can't say that. In fact, out of the 70 people who answered those questions earlier, one of the first questions is, how would you best describe your relationship with Jesus right now? 70 people answered. Three said flourishing. Friends, we have some work to do. So here's what we're doing. Over the next year here at Flourishing Grace, we're launching something called the Path of Flourishing. And the Path of Flourishing, kind of the hope, the dream, just the the desire of my heart, the desire of our staff, the desire of our lead shepherds, is that over the next year, you would find the life that Jesus has on offer for you. That this would be a resource to help you kind of tap into the source of flourishing that would draw you nearer and nearer and nearer to Jesus until you begin to experience true human flourishing in your life. And so it's really a tool, it's a resource. We're going to be preaching on it. We're going to be diving into it in small groups. We're going to be talking about it outside of Sunday mornings. We're going to be talking about it all of the time for the next year. Just wading deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into this. Now, we call it the path of flourishing because you're not just going to do a certain number of things. It's not like this seven-step process. You do these seven things, and then you're going to be flourishing forever. It doesn't work that way, right? It's like a diet. Diets don't work. 
all right? And all the diets tell you they don't work. In fact, if you actually look into it, it's like you cannot diet. This must become a lifestyle, right? A few years ago, actually it was more than a few years ago, back in Chicago, my wife and I did this crazy, stupid thing. Uh, we went vegan uh, after reading this book, and it was like, you can't, this is got to be a lifestyle. It's got to be a lifestyle. It's got to be a lifestyle. Dude, I almost died, okay? <laughs> Forget that lifestyle. Good grief. But the reality is, is that we know, we know. How many, listen, how many of you have gone on a diet at some point in time in your life? How many of you are still on that diet that you originally went on the very first time you ever went on a diet? Nobody. <laughs> this is the same thing. It's a path. And you must wake up in the morning, you must begin to walk it. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. The path of flourishing is reorienting your life around the person of Jesus. And if you treat it like a diet where you're like, man, I'm going to do this for a season, I'm going to flourish, and then you stop, you're just going to go right back to where you were. The reality is of this path is you just get deeper and deeper and deeper, and there's more joy, and there's more joy, and there's more joy, and there's more joy. But the reality is just like a diet, just like a diet, you can walk this path and change your mind or give up. The reality is, actually, for many of us in this room, you could probably think of a time in your life where you would say, man, my relationship with Jesus was flourishing, and now it's not. Because you can do this and then stop, even though, even though we know if I just, if I eat well, if I, if I, if I eat well and I exercise and I do the right things, I will feel better. I will feel less tired. I'll have more energy throughout my day. I'll look better. I'll feel better. I, we know this is true. But burgers and fries taste good. I like donuts. We know this is true, but we, but we don't do it. The path of flourishing must be something that we wake up every single day and say, man, I'm going to walk the path today. The path of flourishing here at Flourishing Grace has four main what we're going to call pathways. You can call them whatever you want. We're going to call them pathways. Four main pathways. Here's what they are. The first one, we're gonna, I'm just going to fly through these real quick. Okay, um, and we're going to dive way into them over the course of this year. Okay, the first one is this: by beholding Jesus, we flourish by beholding Jesus. You, you want to experience the life that Jesus has on offer? You must fix your gaze on the source of that life. The goal of beholding is to simply fix our gaze on the source of all life. To fix our gaze on Christ all day every day, to be tapped into the vine, to be rooted in him, to, to fix our gaze on him, to be in his presence from the moment our eyes wake to the moment our eyes close at night, to be in the presence of Jesus. Now, how do we do that? What does that mean? Is that in the Bible? Yes. And we're going to wade into that beginning next week. We're going to start unpacking and beholding, and we're going to walk through that and talk more and more and more. What does it look like for you to become one who beholds Jesus, all day, every day, for the rest of your life. You want to experience true human flourishing, the, the life that Jesus has on offer, you must behold the source. The next pathway is by following Jesus. By following Jesus, right? We, you have to follow Jesus. Now, when I say following, I, I don't mean just following person wherever they're going, right? I, I, have a, I have a little boy, he's in kindergarten, and I went and volunteered at a school this week. 
And uh, we left his classroom and went to a different room, the computer lab, actually. And the teacher has all the kids, like, cross their arms and, like, follow the person in front of them. There's, like, it's, like, really, it's crazy. Like, I can't get him to listen to anything that I say, but somehow, like, every kid in that room crosses their arms and follows the person in front of them. That's not what I mean when I say following, though. That's not, that's not what I mean. What I mean by following is actually doing what Jesus did, emulating him, emulating him doing the things that he did, living the life that he lived, ordering our life around the life of Jesus, studying the way that he lived and pulling out the things that he did and saying, I'm going to make these things true of my life. And so in like three or four weeks, we're going to begin to dive way deep into what does it mean to actually follow Jesus? This word is so overused, it's kind of gross. Like all the time, we're like, I'm a follower of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. Are you actually emulating him though? Does your life look like the life of Jesus? The things that you do, you want to find the life that Jesus has on earth, offer, you must begin to live like him. Now, the next uh, pathway is becoming like Jesus. We flourish by becoming like Jesus. Now, this is where the sweetness happens, okay? Listen, as, as we begin to behold Jesus and as we begin to follow Jesus, the Spirit of Christ is awakened within us and he begins to do a work that we cannot do, right? As Paul says, we are transformed from one degree of glory into another, into his likeness. We become like him from the inside. Now, this is something you cannot do, right? You will fail. And many of you have tried this. You're like, I'm going to be more loving. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'm going I'm I'm to just be self-controlled, right? You read a self-help book and you're like, I'm going to do it. No. The Spirit of Christ must do it in us. The Spirit of Christ must produce this in us. And this is where the sweet stuff happens. This is where your neighbors and your family members and your friends begin to say, wait a second, what? Wait, well, I don't understand. You respond? You would have never responded that way like a month ago. Like last year, if somebody would have said that to you, no way would you have responded in that kind of self-control and kindness. You've always been kind of grumpy and sad. Like all of a sudden, like there's just like this air of joy about you. What is that? People begin to see your flourishing as he produces it in you. And so we're going to talk, we're going to wade way deep. You know, what does it mean to become like Jesus? This is not something you can do. This is something that only he can do. The last pathway is called community. By community, I'm convinced you cannot flourish alone. You can't flourish alone. You will dry up so quickly. You need other people in your life who are walking this pathway with you. And friends, here's the reality. You need help. If, if I can just be honest, like on a side note, we need to learn how to do this. We need to learn how to do community here at Flourishing Grace. I think that we are an amazing family. Some of you guys in the room are just my best friends in the whole wide world. I love you all deeply. But the reality is, is that for many of us, for many of us, we don't know how to actually live in community. Like we don't know how to say to somebody, I'm not okay. We don't, we don't know how to do that. We, we don't know how to say to somebody, hey, that thing that you said, that, that hurt. 
We don't know how to say that. We're terrible at it. It either comes out in anger or it gets pent up inside of us as anger. We don't know how to do it. Or we don't know how to say, hey, listen, I said this thing and I'm, I'm really sorry for that. I shouldn't have done that. And they're like, no, it's okay. Like, no, 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 it's, it's actually not okay. Like, we don't know how to have healthy, real conversations. And so we're going to wade deep into community. How do we walk this path together because we need each other in our lives? We need to be able to say, man, my marriage is not okay. I don't know what I'm doing. I have a feeling of inadequacy. And that brings me to the next piece of this. Um, the, now, the last piece is not a pathway, okay? It's different than the other four. This is, this is kind of the last piece is by overcoming. Um, there are obstacles in your life that are unique to you. Um, now, other people in the room for sure share the same obstacles, but they're, they're unique to you. And not everybody has the same things, right? So maybe for you, it's a sin issue. Like there's a sin in your life that you've just been struggling with for years and years and years. You just can't quite shake it. Maybe for you, it's like a a wound from the past or something that keeps haunting you again and again. You don't even know it's there, maybe. Other people in your life see it. Something that happened a long time ago from your parents or your grandparents or a friend. Uh, You you just don't don't know how. You You don't know what's going on. Maybe it's just a feeling of inadequacy. Like this, 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 you just don't know how to like get past this. You just don't feel like you're good enough to actually engage. There's obstacles for you. And so we're going to begin to tackle these. We're going to start way broad and say, well, okay, what are the most common ones? And we're going to get more and more specific and more and more narrow. And then we're going to get more and more uncomfortable until we get to yours. And you're like, this, this hurts. I don't like this. But I promise you, it will be so good for you. To wade into the dark areas of your soul and to wrestle there. To invite Jesus in there and say, hey, let's, let's overcome this together. As a family, let's overcome this together. Let's walk together. Let's engage together. So that is the path of flourishing. This will not, this will not happen in a day. It will not happen in a month. It's going to take... A long time. My, my hope is that in a short period of time, you begin to see some fruit from this. It's going to take years for you to actually say, man, this is real flourishing. Now, let's go back to the word for a minute, all right? So that, that's, that's where we're going. That's kind of the vision of flourishing grace for the next year. That's where we're going to be. That's where we're going to be talking about. But let's not forget why we're doing this, okay? John 10, 10, right? We were there earlier. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. But then look at verse 11. In the same train of thought, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So, so hang on, let's just, let's just do this for a second. I want you to put yourself in John 10, 10. When Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I came that they, I want you to put your name in for they. I came that Josh may have life and have it abundantly. I came that 
you may have life and have it abundantly. Why did Jesus come? Flourishing grace, why did Jesus come? That you may have life and have it abundantly. In the same train of thought, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. What did it cost him? It's not your question. It's life. Jesus gave up his life so that you might have life and have it abundantly. He sacrificed his life, the God of all things, into the cross and bled the ground red and abandoning his life so that you might find yours. Friends, Jesus wants to walk the path of flourishing with you. On the cross, he removes the barrier of sin. He removes the barrier of the curse that he might draw near to you. That his spirit might take up residence inside of you. That you might be free. That you might be free of all of the guilt and all of the shame. That you might walk with him. He wants to be the good shepherd. He's given his life to be the good shepherd, to lead you to streams of living water, to lead you from one soul-satisfying pasture to another. He is the source of human flourishing. And I'm excited. I'm excited to walk this path with you, friends. It's going to be a good year for us here at Flourishing Grace. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you this morning. Jesus, I ask, I ask that you would open our hearts to your presence. Jesus, I ask that you would awaken our souls and stir our affections for you. That the things that we've become complacent in, the areas of our faith that we've become passive in, the things that we've begun to believe that are just simply not true, that you would shake those things off of us, that you would shake the dust away, and that there would be new life, living water, that there would be the bread of life, that you'd shine light into the darkness of our souls, and that there'd be just fresh air, and that we'd begin to behold you, that we'd begin to emulate you, that we would begin to live life together in community, to walk this path together. And that from the inside out, you would transform us into your likeness. That we'd wade into the dark areas of our soul. We'd overcome the obstacles that we face, whether externally or internally. The things that are holding us back from you. And that we do it together. That we'd be a community that's constantly leaning on each other, picking each other up, saying, we, we are going, we're going to cling to Jesus. We're going to help each other cling to Jesus. We're going to wade into each other's lives and spur us on towards Christ. Would you light a spark right now in the heart of flourishing grace? and begin to transform us. 
into a people who live flourishing lives because we have a flourishing relationship with Jesus. I pray these things in your name. In the name of Jesus, amen.